this is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Chai Sarah, Choosing Meaning. Sarah, our foremother, lived a complex life full of heartbreak and healing, challenges and redemption. Her life ends as this week's parsha begins, and the first verse of the parsha distills Sarah's life into just the number of years that she lived. Yet Sarah's life and example had tremendous impact on generations to come, belied by this summary. And Rabbi Akiva sees some of this influence as being recorded in this verse and embedded in the specific number of Sarah's years. Rabbi Akiva haya yoshev v'doresh v'hatsipur mitnam neim b'kesh l'ororan amar marata ester shatimloch al sheva v'eshim emeya medina ela tavo ester shaita bat bita shal Sarah shachayata meya v'eshim umeya v'timloch al meya v'eshim v'sheva medinot. Rabbi Akiva was sitting and teaching, and the community was nodding off. He wanted to wake them. He said, What did Esther see that she could rule over 127 provinces? Rather, let Esther, who was the granddaughter of Sarah, who lived for 127 years, come and rule over 127 provinces. This midrash is somewhat unusual and surprising, and it is intentionally so. Rabbi Akiva sees that his students are bored and beginning to fall asleep. So he decides to wake them up by introducing a teaching that is completely unexpected. Just as this strange, ostensibly coincidental connection was brought by Rabbi Akiva in order to wake his students, so too the Midrash is brought to the reader in order to wake us up. But why are we sleeping? And how does this teaching serve as an alarm? What does it teach us about the right way to use the Torah in our lives? If we understand ourselves and see ourselves as the community members in the story, the accusation of this midrash and the point it is making become clearer. When we learn Torah, we are being taught by Rabbi Akiva himself or someone of his caliber, and nevertheless, we are falling asleep. Or to put it even more forcefully, we are being taught by Moshe Rabbeinu and maybe even by God himself, and yet we are nodding off. We are finding the Torah soporific and just plain boring. We, along with Rabbi Akiva's contemporaries, are asleep in class, either literally or metaphorically, asleep in shul during the reading of the Torah or the delivery of the sermon, because we don't always feel that the Torah is speaking to us. Because we don't always see the correspondence between the Torah and our lives, we don't see it as relevant. We don't see it as interesting. Rabbi Akiva, by drawing a correspondence between the lives of Sarah and Esther, addresses this issue in a few ways. First, he claims that a fact, in this case the number 127, which we might think of as coincidental, is anything but. It is not casual or meaningless. When there is something that is open to being interpreted, either as coincidental and devoid of content, or as connected and intrinsically meaningful, Rabbi Akiva is inviting us to find the connection and meaning. Any story that we read in the Torah can be read as just a story, but we are cheating ourselves when we read these texts as irrelevant to our lives. Rabbi Akiva teaches his students to make the connection, to see the irrelevant as personal and interesting, to be awake to the possibility that the texts, the laws and the stories are more interconnected than they appear. He also suggests that texts that seem remote are actually more connected to us 
more fresh and recent than they seem. Although Sarah and her life were in the distant past for his audience, Esther and her story occur more than a thousand years later, much closer to the time period that Rabbi Akiva's students themselves are in. The characters in Esther, a book which is closer to contemporary, are living a life that Rabbi Akiva's students can more readily imagine. And though Rabbi Akiva leaves working out the details to the reader, Sarah and Esther, who do not seem to be obviously connected in any way, have a number of ways in which they clearly correspond to one another. The name Sarah means princess, and Esther herself was a queen. Sarah was taken to be in the harem of two kings, Avimelech and Paro. And though Esther was also brought into Ahasuerus' house to be the queen, their marriage was certainly not monogamous. Although Esther was clearly chosen, she felt insecure of her status and afraid to approach the king. Esther may have been emboldened to step into her role as queen, even though she herself was an orphan, when she thought of her ancestor, and therefore herself as royalty. Sarah's 127 years could have had nothing to do with Esther's 127 provinces, or they could have been essential to her reign. Esther could have done what Rabbi Akiva suggests and looked at Sarah's story for inspiration. She could have chosen to frame her life in terms of the Torah that she has received, to make the connections that will make her more successful and her life more meaningful. Though we have no proof that Esther herself did this, we do have testimony about an anonymous woman who drew strength from her ancestry in Masechet Sukkah. Hahi safta da'atai l'kameh d'rav nachman. Amrale. Reish galuta v'chulhu rabbanan d'bei reish galuta v'sukkah gazula habu yatveh. Tavcha v'lo ashkach b'rav nachman. Amrale. Itata d'havale l'avua talat mea v'timne sare avde tavcha kameichu v'lo ashkachitu ba? A story of one woman who came before Rav Nachman. She said to him, The exilarch and all of the rabbis of his house are sitting in a stolen sukkah. She cried out, but he paid no attention to her. She said, A woman whose father had 318 servants is crying out before you, and you don't pay attention to her? In this story, an older woman who does not have high social status feels confident in bringing her case against the most powerful political figures of her community the exilarch's household, and the rabbis close to him, to one of the most powerful rabbis at the time, Rav Nachman himself. And indeed, even when Rav Nachman does not heed her claim that their sukkah was stolen from her, she will not be silenced because she is the descendant of a man who has 318 servants. According to Rashi, this anonymous wealthy ancestor is Avraham. This woman's awareness of herself as Avraham's descendant is what empowers her to demand what she believes is her right and allows her to assert herself before those who would dismiss her. What these stories demonstrate is that we can shift our perspective of how we are supposed to relate to the characters and stories of the Torah. One of the most perplexing features of studying the Torah for adults and children alike is seeing that the biblical characters are so deeply flawed. It's hard to imagine what we learn from people whom we do not understand, engaging in behavior that we ourselves find unattractive at best and deeply problematic at worst. Without the help of the Midrash and later commentaries, it is often difficult or impossible to learn what moral and ethical behavior should look like from our forebears. Rabbi Akiva's insight helps us to see that these characters are not there for us to emulate, 
They are there for us to be able to relate to and to see ourselves in their stories. Rabbi Akiva does not say that Esther merited to rule because of Sarah's greatness. He merely says that Sarah's 127 prefigures Esther's. So the stories in the Torah and the people in them are there for you to connect to, to make you feel that your situation is not so unique, and to make you feel less alone. When Esther was cut off from her uncle Mordechai and from her home among the Jews, she knew that she wasn't the first one to be taken to a palace against her will. And because she knew that Sarah was not forsaken by God, Esther herself could know that she too had God to depend upon. Rabbi Kalanimus Kamen Shapiro, the Piazetzna Rebbe, was one of the most important rabbinic figures providing guidance and support to our families who were suffering at the hands of the Nazis in the Warsaw Ghetto. His collection of teaching while in the ghetto, the Ish Kodesh, reflects his commitment to using the Torah as a means to provide the Jewish people comfort, support, and the reassurance that God still loves us. In his teaching on Chaye Sarah, he goes so far as to suggest that Sarah chose to live her life, and in fact to give up her life, in order to provide a model for us to attach ourselves to, and to have her example serve as a comfort to her children in our time of deepest distress. He bases his teaching on two of Rashi's comments from the beginning of our Parsha. The first teaches about how Sarah lived, and the second teaches about why she died. The years of Sarah's life were 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years. Why were years mentioned at each point? To teach you that each one should be expounded independently. When she was 100, she was like 20 with regards to sin. Just as a 20-year-old hasn't sinned because she isn't subject to punishment, so Sarah was sinless at 100. And when she was 20, she was as beautiful as a 7-year-old. Lisbod Sarah v'liv kota. Nismecha mitat Sarah l'akeda Yitzchak. Lifi she'ayedei besorat ha'akeda, she'nizdamein b'na l'shchita v'chimat shelo nishchat, parcha nishmata mimena v'meita. To eulogize Sarah and cry for her. Sarah's death is placed adjacent to the binding of Yitzchak because it was through the news of the Akedah that her son was brought to the slaughter and almost was slaughtered that her soul departed and she died. The Ishkodesh explains that these two comments of Rashi are connected to each other. The Torah testifies to the goodness of the entirety of Sarah's life as a reaction to the circumstances of her death. Asata. 
להראות להשם איך אי אפשר לישראל לסבול ייסורים יותר מדי. ואפילו מי שבחמת השם נשאר חי, גם אחר ייסורים מכל מקום, חלקי כוחו, מוחו ורוחו נשברו ונאבדו ממנו. מלי קטלי כולו, מלי קטלי פלגה. This is why Moshe Rabbeinu, trusted shepherd, placed the death of Sarah next to Akedat Yitzchak, in order to speak good on our behalf and to show that through suffering that is too great, what can we do? Her soul left her. And further, if this happened to Sarah, and she still couldn't withstand difficult suffering, we certainly can't. It is also possible to say that even our mother Sarah herself, who fixed her heart upon the Akedah so much that her soul left her, did so for the sake of Israel, to show God that it's actually impossible for Israel to withstand excessive suffering. And even someone who through God's mercy remains alive after his suffering, regardless, Some components of his strength, his mind and his spirit are broken and lost to him. So what difference is it to kill all of him or part of him? According to the Ish Kodesh, Moshe strategically positioned the Torah stories in order to teach about how Sarah suffered and died. But this was not done in order to teach us a moral lesson, but rather to validate the reality of suffering. When you are experiencing suffering, worse than Akedah after Akedah, There is no moral lesson that Moshe intends to teach you. And when you turn to the Torah, the example of Sarah is not meant to be instructive at all. The Ish Kodesh continues to say that if Sarah's example is at all instructive, it is not coming to teach us. Rather, it is coming to teach God. Sarah's life and death show and teach God that we cannot be blamed for how we react to unimaginable suffering. We don't have to come out of our pain stronger and better. We can come out of it weak and broken. In fact, we cannot make it out at all. And no one has the right to evaluate or judge our reaction and behavior. Sarah's story doesn't teach us what to do. It teaches us that sometimes it is cruel and inappropriate to even ask the question of should. When we feel ourselves blaming ourselves, when we imagine that God is blaming us, the lesson to be learned is that no one, was more blameless than Sarah, and even she could not withstand the suffering. We aren't being told to be heroic like our ancestors, but to understand that we may be as unheroic, as human, as flawed as they are, and even God may not condemn us for it. Not only does this change how you study the stories of the Torah, for comfort and succor, as opposed to instruction and rebuke, it also changes what in the Torah you should focus on. If the purpose of the stories is to teach me to be someone other than who I already am, then I should look to learn from the people who are my opposite and focus on the sections of the Torah that present an ideal that is very different from the way that I currently live. However, Rav Isi suggests just the opposite. Study the Torah that is already reflective of who you are. Amar Rabbi Isi, Mipnei ma'amat chilin latino kot mitorat kohanim, Rabbi Isi said, Why do children begin with the book of Vayikra? They should start with Breshit. Rather, the Holy Blessed One said, Since the sacrifices are pure and the children are pure, let the pure come and delve into the pure. The book of Vayikra doesn't make the children pure. 
the children identify with it because they already are pure. And like them, we too have the option of reading the Torah as not only speaking to us, but speaking for us and speaking about us. Wishing you a Shabbat of strong identification. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.